0: Good morning. Uh, If you'll just maybe grab that stool for me. Yeah. Right here is good. You guys doing all right this morning? Yeah. That's good. Thanks, Kip. There we go. What's under the blanket? I don't know. We'll find out. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Uh, My name is Chris Jackson. I am the youth ministry apprentice. I've been working closely with Jim and Fawn since August, and uh, I have loved getting to be a part of this faith family. Um, So if you haven't got to meet me yet, um, please do. I'm I'm trying to get around to everybody, or um, if you're visiting, know that you're, you're in a special place. This is a great place to be. Um, I know that we have lots of people who are traveling, so maybe you're here as a visitor traveling, uh, visiting family, and we're glad that you're here. Um, our prayers are with all of those who are not here with us this morning, including Josh, um, as they travel to see family and, and um, do all the good holiday stuff. Um, and, and for all the people who are tuning in online, we're, we're glad that they're with us as well. Um, and so I was excited when Josh asked me to speak in his absence. Um, I, uh, I, I enjoyed speaking at the, the last church I was at. Um, it's, uh, it's, I've kind of been itching to do it since I got here. So uh, I, I was wondering, we're going to pray in just a second, but I was wondering before we do that, how many of you have a New Year's resolution for, for uh, 2019? Have you guys thought about that yet? <laughs> like a few of you, yeah. Uh, how many of you have done a New Year's resolution at some point? in the? Okay, a, a, few, a few more of us. Okay, so let me just have a, a moment of transparency. I am not good at... Uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, Part of it is probably because I'd never think about it until, you know, I'm with the family on New Year's Eve and we're watching all the, you know, you guys watch all that stuff on TV in Times Square where they're dropping the the ball and all the fireworks go off and everything. I never think about it until, you know, they start sharing, you know, what's your resolution? And so I kind of stopped doing resolutions a few years ago. But what I do instead is I've started choosing a word that will be kind of my word for the year. And so I've been doing that for the last few years. And so This last year, my word was peace. And so every day I try and pray peace over myself and over those around me. Um, And at least once or twice a week, I try and spend a good amount of time um, studying what what the Bible says, what other scholars say, you know, trying to discern what God might uh, want me to understand about peace. And so I've decided for the next year, my word is going to be restore or renew. And so I've already been thinking about that some the last month or two as I've kind of committed to this word for 2019. So I want to share some of that with you, um, but before we do, um, I, I would like for you to just go to God and pray with me for a minute. Dear Lord, we come before you, and uh, we're just so grateful that you're a God who hears our prayers. Um, we're thankful that you are the type of God who wants us to know you better, who has given us your word and has preserved it all this time and has kept it relevant for us even today and most of all Lord we're thankful for your son who came to show us what it means to know you well who came to, to live as an example for us and so this morning as we take the next few minutes to sit at your feet and hear what you might have to say to us I ask that you would Speak through me, speak around me, speak over me, um, and that you would touch each of us with a challenge or a word of encouragement this morning. We love you, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to learn from you. It's in the the power of Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so this morning instead of just looking at one writing, we're going to look at several writings from Paul we're going to kind of see, instead of just, just looking at one and kind of dissecting it, we're going to look at several of his writings and kind of see this theme that he has as he talks about what it might mean to be restored or to be renewed. And Paul has this idea that he, he uses this language of new creation a lot. Uh, and he believes that Jesus is making all things new. And he goes back to the very beginning of, of the Old Testament. He, he seems to think about Genesis 1 a lot. You can tell through his writings that he's thinking about the fact that God made us in his image. And this is a big deal because God's image is not found in an idol or in any one person, but God has made every person in his image. We were all made to represent him wherever we go, and we were created to co-rule with him. But something happened. We, we sinned. We, we decided that co-ruling was not good enough, and, and we decided that we could and we should decide for ourselves what was right or wrong. And so it was once a perfect image of God became broken and distorted. And the best way I know to, to kind of visualize that this morning is this. I don't know how well you in the back can see this. but This broken mirror. And so if you were to look at this mirror, you'd see you know, I kind of look at myself in it and I've got like 17 eyeballs and my forehead looks all weird. And, and I, this isn't the same mirror that I've had for a while, but I used to have one like this that uh, I, I took and I had our youth group at the last church I worked at um, we, we talked about this at a retreat we went to. And I had them write lies from the world that they might hear and, and might tend to believe about themselves. And they wrote things like ugly or failure or bad or not enough or center on, those, on the, the mirror. And it, it starts to hide what, what the mirror is trying to reveal. And so it, it becomes broken. With each lie we believed, another crack in the mirror appears. With each, with each law that we break, the mirror becomes a little more distorted. Like um, you guys have been to maybe the fair or circus and seen those fun house mirrors, you know, that makes you look nice and tall and, and slim, right? Or, or short and stubby, right? And, and it's like with each law that we broke, another one of those distortions appeared until, yeah, it still reflects an image, but it's not the image that it was created to, to create, to, to reflect. And so Paul says that Jesus came to show us what it means to be a perfect image. The image that we were originally created to be. He says in Colossians 1 that Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before everything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He's the beginning, supreme over all those who rise from the dead. So Jesus came to show us what it means to live as a true and perfect image bearer. He came to show us what we were meant to be and what we could be again. Even in this passage that we've just read right here in Colossians, you can see that Paul starts to hint at it, that Jesus is the beginning He is supreme over all of those who rise from the dead, meaning that there will be more. We'll come back to Colossians in a minute, but I want to turn over to Philippians and see what Paul says there. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul gives what I believe is the um, most beautiful snapshot of Jesus' life. It's my favorite passage here in verses 5 through 11. He says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord for the glory of God the Father. I had a professor who used to teach this, this uh, passage and he used to call it the divine V is what he called it. Uh, and go ahead and go to the, to the next slide if you will. Yeah, so the divine V. And so he says that, you know, you have Jesus who is, who is God and he, he is in the form of God and he's equal with God. But he, but he humbles himself and he becomes... He's born as a man, which is, you know, what we've been talking about as we celebrate Advent and Christmas. And, but he isn't just born as a man, but he's born as a servant. And not only is he a servant, but he, he dies, and he doesn't die just any death. He dies the death on a cross. He doesn't stop at a little bit of humility. He continues to humble himself until he can't be any more humble. He goes from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. But then the Father, by the power of the Spirit, raises up... His Son. He exalts Him. He raises Him up, not just from the dead, but to a place of honor. He goes from being a criminal on a cross to being seated at the most honored place. And if you continue reading in Philippians, there's a big therefore. Starting in verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So, Paul says here that we too can become blameless and pure, even though he realizes what a broken state we are in. In verses 5 through 15, Paul says that Jesus became like us so that we can become like him. This is that divine V we're talking about. Jesus became like us. He humbles himself and he humbles himself. He humbles himself all the way to the cross so that no matter how bad you are, no matter how broken you think you are, no matter how messed up and distorted the image of God appears to be in you, Jesus can scoop you up because he humbles himself lower than where you are. He scoops you up so that when he is raised by the Father, when he is exalted and glorified, we too can be glorified again. He became like us so that we could become like him. Jesus came to restore what we were originally created to be. Going back to Colossians, Paul says in chapter 2, He says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that came from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God and a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, which is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature that was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against you and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So so Paul says here, That Jesus covers us, okay? So in His grace and in His mercy, because of His humility, because of His sacrifice on the cross, and because He was glorified again, because He became like us, He covers us. So His sacrifice becomes something that covers our brokenness. So that when we look at ourselves, when God sees us, He doesn't see that we are this broken. When we look at ourselves, when others look at ourselves, they won't see this broken and distorted image anymore. His mercy and grace are like this blanket that hides our brokenness. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can appear before the Father. Because of Jesus, we are eligible for adoption as sons and daughters of the High King. Because of Jesus, even though we know that we are not image bearers that we would like to be, we know that we are no longer sinners either. The problem, though, is that many of us stop here. I remember the first time I kind of came to this realization, I'd heard this story the story of Jesus' sacrifice and I'd, I'd heard it preached to me growing up in the church I don't know how many times and I just kind of let that wash over me and didn't think too much about it. I thought that I understood it but I remember that kind of moment where, where it sunk in and I was just so overwhelmed by my brokenness and by by the grace of God and the fact that Jesus would want to cover me at all and for a long time I was, I, w- I felt so blessed just to have this and I was so content just to stay here just hide behind Jesus Just hide behind Jesus knowing that if God saw my brokenness, if others saw my brokenness, if I saw my brokenness, I might, I might want to give up. Others might not trust me. They might not want to be around me. That God might not want to be around me if he saw my brokenness. And so I was so content to just hide behind Jesus and to be covered by his grace and and to just live in my brokenness as long as I was hidden away. But God, or but, but Paul wants us to know that God does not want to stop there. He wants to restore us. He wants us to be innocent and blameless and pure again so that we can once again be perfect reflections of the Father that we were always supposed to be. If you continue in Colossians, Paul says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of of heaven, not the things of earth, For you died to this life, and your life, your real life, is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ is your life, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share all his glory. So Paul's saying that Christ covers our brokenness. He says, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. But he says, while we are hidden in Christ, we need to be hard at work. Learning to reorient ourselves to this heavenly citizenship. Have you ever, uh, go to the next slide, if you will. Have any of you heard, and I'm going to butcher this name, this woman's name, I know it's not the highest quality picture, but her name is uh, Bojana Danilovic, I think is how you say her name. I I practiced before I came, I promise. Um, she's, She's in her 30s, I think she's about 30, 31 years old, and she lives in Serbia. She's a successful councilwoman, she's an economics expert, Uh, she has a great family, but her world is literally upside down. Have any any of you noticed what's weird in this picture? The the newspaper is upside down. Um, She has a rare condition called spatial orientation phenomenon and that makes everything she sees the wrong way up. Um, Some of you may remember from your high school biology class that uh, and I science, my wife is the scientist, I'm not, but from my very simple and basic understanding, something about the curve of our eyes makes everything that we see actually be reflected upside down. And about a week after our birth, our brain learns to flip those images so that we see everything right side up. You guys remember learning about that? Um, And so scientists think that for some reason, Bojana's brain never learned to flip those images. And so at her job, she has special forms that she fills out that are made just for her, so it's easier for her work. Her computer screen is flipped upside down so that she can read it easier. She turns her keyboard around so that she can see the letters as she's typing. Um, When she reads the newspaper or a book, she holds it upside down. When she's at home with her family, they actually have two TVs in their living room. One that's just like yours at home that the rest of her family watches, and then they have one right next to it that's flipped upside down that she watches. Um... And her world, her, her life seems kind of crazy to me. Um, and she said this in, a, in an interview a couple years ago. She said, it may look incredible to other people, but to me it's completely normal. She said, I was born this way and it's just the way that I see the world. And I think that I like her story so much because it kind of reminds me a little bit of what our story is like. As we learn to reorient ourselves as after we're covered by the grace of, of God, after we're covered in Christ's sacrifice, it's, it's difficult work to learn to reorient ourselves and everything seems upside down at first and everything seems weird and hard to understand. But eventually as we, as we do things like, you know, spiritual disciplines, and as we read, and as we pray, and we do all these things to invite God who does the work in us, it's not us, it's, it's God who does the work, but as we do things to open avenues for him to do the work in us, we start to see the world the way God starts to see the world. And it may look weird to everyone else, but it's the way we were created to see the world, to live as Jesus did. He is our example after all. When people stop seeing the old broken self and start to see a new self, a new self that is based on the example of Christ, our glory starts to be restored. Paul realizes that God did not make us as insignificant, unimportant beings. God created us to have a meaningful relationship. He created us, and his first job for us was to co rule with him. God has bigger plans for us when he first created us, and he still has big plans for us now. He does not want to leave us broken. He doesn't want to simply cover us. He wants to restore us to the good and glorious creatures that we were made to be. And this is what Paul talks about in Romans 8, especially in 29 through 30. He says, For God knew his sons in advance, and he chose them to be, become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. This is the same divine V that we saw back in Philippians 2. It's the motion of Jesus' humility and then exaltation. He scoops us up so that we can be glorified. Jesus is the first person among many brothers and sisters, and that's that's us. And Paul says more about this in Ephesians, both in chapter 1 and, and, and chapter 4. He says this, Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up His church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Paul's hope for each of us is that we continue to follow Jesus' example. And as we continue to learn more about Him— and we love each other as he has first loved us, that we will re- reach a level of spiritual maturity that makes us full of love just like Jesus. And Paul envisions a church that is full of blameless and holy people at the time of Jesus' second coming. He says as much in First Thessalonians 3.13. He says, May he, as a result, make your heart strong and blameless and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with his holy people. And so, where are we in this journey? Where are you? Where am I? We're still feeling completely broken. Like this mirror full of of cracks and, and full of lies. First of all, let us take a step back and remind ourselves that no matter how distorted or broken the image may appear, it does still reflect. Right? No matter how many eyeballs it looks like you have in this mirror. And no matter what kind of dirt or grime might be covering the surface, it does still reflect. I think some of us need to remember that no matter how broken we may feel, or how broken we think other people are, they are still at their core an image of God. So no matter how messed up we may feel, or how messed up we think someone else is, we need to remember that. Baptism itself is a picture of this divine V, that we've talked about this morning. We too humble ourselves with Jesus so that we can be raised with him. The very act of baptism begins to symbolize the path of total spiritual maturity. Are you still broken but, but covered by God's grace? That's such a blessing to be in. And I, I don't want to like discount that. Like I am still there and I've been there for a long time and I'm so thankful to be right here. But I think the more challenging question for us is are we content to just stay hidden away, tucked behind Jesus? God did not save us so that we could continue to stay broken. The way Paul describes the process of redemption is like this We are saved by grace, but we must continue to work hard, but carefully. To follow the example of Christ until we become like him. And as we kill off those old sinful habits, it's like those cracks in the mirror start to heal one by one. As we stop listening to the lies that we've been told and start listening to the truth that God's Spirit whispers in our ear, it's like those distortions in the mirror start to bend back into shape. As we start to love and serve the Lord as Jesus did, We find that the mirror starts to really shine until it reflects another image, a a perfect image of God once again. I was thinking as I was sitting here earlier about a time I I broke a a bone, uh, this hand actually, I I broke a bone in my hand, the only bone I've ever broken. Let me tell you, it was really easy to break the bone, right? I was playing frisbee with a bunch of teenagers. Uh, It was, it was fun, right? Like I didn't even realize it was broken at first. Uh, but it took me weeks and weeks to heal, right? And, and it wasn't really even something that I could do. I could only do things to help help my bone heal, right? I could only take it easy, not pick up things. Um, you know, I had, to, I had to wear my cast and then my brace. And, you know, when I didn't want to wear my brace, I, my progress kind of got sidetracked and I had to end up wearing it even longer, right? And so my point is, I wanted to be careful this morning not to teach, not to sound like I'm teaching that this is something that we can do ourselves, right? This is something that we can only the things that we can do only help God's Spirit to, to start to restore this image in us, right? It's really easy to break the image. It's a difficult thing to heal the image. It's not even something that we can do. I also want to be careful to say that we are a reflection of God, right? We, we do not, uh, even that Paul's language sometimes is confusing, we do not become God. We do not become Him. We become like Him. We become a like reflection of Him, right? That's what God created us to be. as we, as we do these things, as we practice these things, follow Jesus' example, and, and as these cracks in the mirror start to heal, and these distortions start to bend into shape, the goal is that one day Jesus will be able to, will be able to stand next to him and be the image that we were always meant to be. And this is what C.S. Lewis talks about in his book, The Weight of Glory. He says that next to the sacrament of communion, The holiest thing we are able to physically encounter on a regular basis is other people. He says that there is no such thing as ordinary people. Lewis wonders how we might live if we realized how glorious each person next to us was. And he says that because he realizes that we are all created in the image of God, right? Because every person we come into contact with is like having a little piece of God next to us. And so we have an opportunity to live like that, to view each and every person as a child of God and treat them as such, no matter how broken they seem to be. Because we know what lies underneath all that brokenness and that dirt. And prayer leaders, if y'all want to go ahead and start moving to your, your places this morning. Um, I personally still struggle with, with this. I have not yet reached total spiritual maturity, believe it or not. I still struggle with things and have not been totally conformed to the likeness of Christ, but I believe that I'm on the right trajectory. I, I look back and I see there are some new cracks and some new dings in my, my image that I've picked up along the way, but I, I am excited when I look back and see old cracks and old distortions that have started to bend back into shape. And I don't know if this spiritual maturity that Paul talks about is something that I will be able to reach before uh, Jesus comes to to take me to be with him. But I have decided to spend the rest of my life asking Holy Spirit to walk me towards spiritual maturity. Paul is confident that God won't start something in me that he can't finish. And I think that the same is true for you. And so this morning, if you need assistance in any way, if, if you want prayers, if, if you want to be baptized, if you want to so I don't know where you are in this. If, if, if you're broken and you want to be covered in grace and you want, to, you want to pray for that or if you've been content for a long time just to remain covered and, and not thinking about what it might be like to start to reflect God's image again or maybe you've been a little judgmental of other people as you've watched them be broken and uh, haven't you've, you've been focused so much on the cracks and the distortions that you've forgotten who it is that they actually do reflect underneath it all. Uh, we want to invite you now to find someone to pray with or, or come forward as we we stand and sing a song together.